G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. Hello and welcome to the Footyology Round 21 Review Show Podcast. No, and you're not hearing things. Uh, Roko is not here this week. I will be taking his place. My name is Ronnie Lerner. Roko is often a little sojourn over to Bali, you know, having a little uh, getaway for himself, getting himself at one with nature, just doing a lot of meditation. It's, I think I think he might even be on a yoga retreat, you know, just taking the sights in Bali just to get in, in peace with himself. As you can tell, he's a very centred man on Twitter, a very placid personality. So he's just in keeping with that. He just wants to get away and just keep the peace with himself and just recharge those batteries. But as always, each and every week, we have the former Fitzroy coach, the former Adelaide coach, the former Essendon 2000 Premiership assistant coach and Essendon player, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you? Ronnie, how are you, mate? And listen, mate, you mightn't want to go in too far in depth into uh, football people going away on camps. <laughs> not this not this week anyway. So, look, he's gone to some Buddhist temple, uh, cross-legged, um, you know, a lot of humming, a, a, a lot of whistling of the bells, you know, people ringing bells, incense and smoke. He's got to calm down, and that's the reason he's gone away, folks. And that is understandable. Uh, it's fair enough as well. And uh, as always, uh, we're here uh, thanks to our official podcast partner, Palmavet, uh, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. Now, Robert, the, the ladder, how are you seeing it? It's really tightening up now. We've only got a couple of rounds to go. It's uh, getting very tight. Well, especially the top four, mate, and uh, Geelong have cleared out. Melbourne should be right. The Pies have to play Sydney and Carlton, and uh, we all know that Carlton probably have to win one, although who can trust the teams outside the eight like um, the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda? You're not going to trust them. I still suspect the Blues will get in. And Fremantle, in sixth spot, have got the Eagles and the Giants. So the Eagles have had their emotional day today, and we'll Mm. talk about that. And it hasn't been a good week for the Adelaide Football Club because on top of the the diversity of opinion and, and the camp and all that sort of stuff, Elliot Himmelberg's got to get out of town pretty quickly because with a few minutes to go uh, and with JK kicking eight goals, he kicked the sealer and uh, the, the fairy tale was over. So, mate, he's on the plane now getting back to Adelaide. Now, as we still look at the ladder, are the Bulldogs still alive, Rob? Because they do play GWS and they do play Hawthorne the last two weeks, whereas Carlton, they've got Melbourne and Collingwood. Now, there's only two games separating those two teams. I think Richmond gets home because they'll, yeah, you know, they just have to beat one of Hawthorne or Essendon. Can the Bulldogs knock out Carlton at the death? How do you see that? I don't think they deserve to. Mm. And, and I know that doesn't pay the rent. <laughs> uh, Carlton have uh, led the way all year. Uh, my personal opinion, I would like to see them get in. But as I said, uh, personal opinions and emotion and 
all that sort of thing. They've made the play all year. I think one of the significant losses, even though they're not a one-man team, is one of the recruits of the year, George Hewitt, going yeah. down, has really not unbalanced their midfield, but I thought they had a beautifully balanced... Well, yeah, I'm going to say it. They, they had a beautifully balanced between pressure, between uh, run-with players and between creative players and, of course, Cripps, Walsh, these sort of players. Kennedy's not there either, so... Chera's been out injured. They've been a little bit disrupted through the midfield and that's led to their form. Mm. Um, look, the romantic side of uh, the independent footballers hoping that the Carlton-Collingwood clash in <laughs> round 23 will decide, A, whether Collingwood gets in the top four and whether, B, Carlton make the eight. So that's what we're hoping for. That I think be- you're right. The Tigers are home. Mm, they will yeah. get, you know, Essendon's a danger game for them. Uh, Essendon being Essendon, turn up in strangely in big games, mm. and uh, they would uh, they would like that challenge. And what's their other game, Hawthorne? They're going to get they're going to get one of those, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. The funny thing okay. is, there might be a situation in that Richmond Essendon game where Richmond gets a hundred percent full crowd support if it if it means that you know Carlton might get knocked out the next day. So. <laughs> well, what, what are the people are going to do? What are the Essendon people going to do there? Are they <laughs> they don't want the Tigers to make it, and they want to get uh, they want to get Carlton kicked out. So that'll be a that'll be a great uh, well, what a great last round of footy. But uh, this was a good one, and it yep. uh, you know started. Uh, with what appeared on paper to be a cracker of a game, Western Bulldogs and Fremantle on Friday night. Indeed. So uh, we will uh, get stuck into those games right now. On Footyology, wrap around. And it all started back on Friday night and wasn't this a hell of a game? I mean, this was probably the game of the season. We had Geelong-Richmond a few weeks ago, which was a contender for that title, but I think this is the new clubhouse leader, Rob. I don't know how you saw it, but this was a sensational game between Melbourne and Collingwood and the Pies, they just keep doing what they're doing. And it's an extraordinary run of events that, uh, what, we're up to 11 games now and um, they continue to play pressure football and to find ways to win. I was certainly impressed with them. And some of the stats that really stand out to me, they talk about, um, and I know there was a little bypass and a little banter, Collingwood have changed the way they play. They're a very attacking side. They're a very direct side. But let's not forget, they kept Melbourne to 22 points in the second half. That's an extraordinary defensive effort. And they actually won the game on their forward pressure their tackling and their capacity to not let Melbourne release out of their back line, particularly in those last hectic minutes. They were totally decimated on the stat sheet. Um, there was a 100 possessions different. Um, but I tell you what, they won one stat, Melbourne. Oh, they won the tackles, but they won one stat, and that was 18 to 8 tackles inside 50. Mm. Mm. And we'll talk about it later, mm. how important it is to keep the ball in the forward line, second and third chances to score, stop the opposition running the ball out, and then you you you, you project your thinking forward to the Essendon GWS game where mm. Essendon had one tackle inside mm. their forward 50. 
Yeah. And it's, it, you mentioned um, Collingwood's defence. I really think they're, they're very unheralded. I think, uh, obviously, Darcy Moore, everyone knows what a star he is. But God, I think Nathan Murphy's becoming a really good footballer down there. You know, obviously, Nick Dacos continues another 31 touches. Uh, he's just been outstanding this season. Jeremy Howe has been really good as well. John Noble. They're just forming such a really good nucleus down back. Um, I think that that doesn't yeah. um, get enough en- enough credit. I know you know Melbourne had twenty four more inside fifties. I think a big reason behind the 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 reason that Collingwood were, were able to sustain that was because their back six is working so well together. Yeah, well, you talk uh, people talk about it's team defence now, mm. but not much has changed. That back six you talk about Quainer Maynard mm. is a superb player. Mm. Noble gives them dash. It can sometimes be a little bit unsafe. But Murphy's third man up, his support for Moore and Howe is a perfectly balanced going into the finals. Mm. Um, They were extraordinary. At the other end of the ground, I think they worked, um, you know, this Ash Johnson bloke, four goals. Um, They sort of worked Lever out a bit. Mm. I think Mychek had a role to play on May, not only to attack him but to make him accountable, but certainly Johnson moved around that arc and didn't really allow the lever to zone off. He, he's kicked four goals. Mm. He's I think been an extraordinary uh, recruit to come into this side. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And it's such a great, another great advertisement for the mid-season draft. And I think, uh, I don't know if you agree here, but Collingwood, they're one of the few teams in the comp that can get away with uh, an inside 50 discrepancy of the nature that they experienced on Friday night because they have got such assassins down forward. Like, these guys don't miss. Jamie Elliott does not miss. Johnson does not miss. Majacek does not miss. Ginevan, he was quiet, but when he has a shot on goal, you can almost certainly bank it that it's going to go straight through the big sticks. They've got such good goal kickers in that forward line, and it's no reason that they, they continually find ways to win when seemingly the odds are against them. Well, it was 65 to 41, mate. And yeah. They manufactured 23 shots from those four, 65 to 41. They managed those 23 shots from 41. Um, you talk, We go back to their back line again. They got decimated in the centre square, 21 to 7. So if that's coming out clean, that's going into a back line and that's putting enormous pressure on them. So it's it's a big tick for Collingwood. This is no fluke. Rowan and I have spoken about this. You know, people want to find something wrong with Collingwood. Oh, but if they lost five of them or mm. they lost six of them, mm. they'll be, they'd be out of the eight and they're not really that good. Well, um, mate, it's the tail of the tape. Oliver had 42, Petrarca 36, Brayshaw had 32, Gorn the Ruckman had 31 and Viney had 30 and you still get rolled. Mm. So um, Melbourne are going to be in it. Uh, it remains to be seen how Collingwood's form manufactures itself in September. I'm still confident about Melbourne, but this is going to be an exciting ride for Collingwood supporters. And just before we wrap up, I mean, the Demons, they, uh, as you mentioned about the Ds, that I mean, they did pretty much everything right except for their forward uh, their forward uh, 50 work. And Coach Simon Goodwin said after the game that you know, uh, while he was filthy, um, there was a lot to take away from it, and he's still bullish about their premiership hopes. How do you sort of see that? Yeah, well, they've got to look. You know, I thought they're back. You know, they got Brown back. Um, you know, they decided to go with him instead of Wiedemann. I, I don't know enough about Wiedemann. I'd like to think he would um, get that chance down there. They're trying to uh, 
turned Gorn into a little bit more of a forward and let Jackson start in the ruck, um, they were outplayed. And 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 at the other end of the ground, um, value for money. My check two, Johnson four, Elliot four, out of forty one. So you get real value for for your entries. Side bottoms kicking skills. The Dacos boys can kick a footy. Um, Penderbury can set it up well, mate. They did a lot right, Melbourne, except they weren't efficient. Mm. All right. And with that, we travel down to Launceston for Big Boy McAvoy's 250th as the Hawks took on the Suns. And down in Tasmania, down in Launceston, uh, the Suns had the chance to keep their very slim finals hopes alive, but unfortunately, a big boy called McAvoy and his Hawthorne boys uh, were in the way. And unfortunately for the Suns, they go another year without finals footy, Rob. Well, they're going to, but they've gone pretty close and they've definitely improved their their uh, their game this year. They've based it on contested football. They've based it on clearances um, and direct football. They've got, they didn't get a great result out of their forward structure. Uh, Rankin was uh, once again held. He's been pretty inconsistent. He kicked one point. Uh, Kasbolt kicked 1-1 one, one, and uh, Mabio Chol, who has been excellent, only kicked three points. So well done. It was difficult conditions down there, but well done to Sicily and the Hawthorne back line did a terrific job because the output of uh, Chol, Kasbolt and Rankin over the year has been very, very productive given the fact that they lost King at the start of the year. Very true. And now I guess, you know, we all laud how far the Suns have come this year. They've definitely taken big strides. They look like a real footy team now. They, they just can't be brushed aside anymore. I guess is the next step in their development to really stand up in these really big crunch games and win them more consistently? Because they seem to have, like the Essendon game a few weeks ago was a, was a prime example. When, when, you know, something big was on offer, they seem to have gone to water a bit. Um, I think it's down to personnel. While they've improved, they do play a very physical game. Hark back to that game. Even though they got up and won, um, they were 40 points down against Richmond. They do have a problem against teams that run and spread and are quite quick on the outside. Essendon exposed them. Richmond did expose them. And um, certainly Hawthorne on the weekend. They, they The clearances were equal, so inside footy, uh, the contested ball, the Suns won, as they consistently do, but Hawthorne have won the outside game. I think they need, uh, what's an example, like a, a Bradley Hill type, a couple of those. They're good down the spine. They're good in contested ball. They're solid. They're physically strong. They need some uh, creative halfbacks some real pace on the outside coming off half-back, like a Hind type at Essendon, a Brad Hill, because they're very, very close. They'll get King back, and I, I just think it's uh, a list management thing. Speaking of that, uh, they've been linked to Dyson Heppel this week. Do you reckon he's the, the type of player that um, could give them a bit more um, stiffness down back, or how do you see that? Uh, well, stiffness down back, experience and leadership, um, like I, I, I'm. We could talk about this um, in news. Um, Heppel's future. I'm quite astounded with the the discussions, given the fact what he's gone through mm. and the leadership he's provided. He hasn't had a good year. Mm. His kicking has gone off, and he's a little bit slower than what he was. Mm. Um, he's been moved to the wing so that they can play McGrath and Hind, Ambrosio off half back. 
Is it a telltale sign? I don't know. I just hope, look, it's not for now, but I just hope that young man is treated with the utmost respect. But if he's not, uh, there's a spot for him at Gold Coast. There's a spot for him on the halfback flank at North Melbourne any day of the week. Yes. And, and just quickly on, on the Hawks before we wrap this one up, um, eight wins this year and they you know, they could be pushing for a ninth, you know, if the, in the, one of the last two games. They've got Richmond or the Bulldogs. If they pinch one of those, that's a, a nine-win season. Um, is, that a, is that a tick for Sam Mitchell's first year? Uh, a nine, well, it is. Um, some typical inconsistent games. Uh, they went a patch without winning quite a few games in the middle of the year. I hope they finish on. Uh, and don't forget what we haven't mentioned is when you talk about this game, we've talked about the future and list structures and where teams are, but let's not forget about um, the real match winner. The real story here was uh, Jack Gunston's comeback. Mm. Uh, he's got two lots of five now. Mm. Uh, since the sad passing of the great Ray Gunston. Mm. So he was a great story. Uh, Newcomb continues to push his uh, push his case for a rising star. He won't win it, but um, I can't split him and De Koning from Geelong for second spot. His form's been very good. O'Meara was excellent, and Dylan Moore has taken his chances with eight clearance in uh, in taking himself from a opportunist forward pocket into a genuine midfield clearance player. Um, the, the, Rowan and I were very, very positive about their year. A lot of people wrote them off, have them bottom two, bottom three. Um, I hope they can find a couple of wins and finish off their year. Yeah, Gunston, very impressive, especially after that. Back surgery early this year. Um, he's really come back into career best form almost. So uh, um, great performance by him. And uh, congratulations also to Ben McAvoy getting that win in his 250th game. All right. Well done, Ronnie. So, yep. Yep. My word. Yeah. And so now we travel up to Giant Stadium where GWS uh, took on the Bombers. And the other, the second game on Saturday saw the Giants take on the Bombers. And for all intents and purposes, I tended to agree with caretaker coach Mark McVeigh that the Giants had checked out. I mean, they had so much talent on the park for so many games, producing some terrible performances. But as is, uh, as you'll know, <laughs> Rob, as a former coach yourself, sometimes a bit of a rocket can get the desired results. And boy, did the Giants get the desired result on Saturday. And uh, as good as they were, geez, the Bombers were very, very disappointing. Well, they, uh, they came with a great plan. They came with purpose and, uh, while Essendon's last, um, since the bye, have been very good, you know, the, the lack of purpose was the concern. So you can only, you know, we're looking at a game in isolation. People saying, oh, yeah, the young side expected that. No, that's a cop-out. And, mate, we all pay our subscription for KO. If you knew if you knew Essendon was going to have one tackle in your forward 50, mate, you'd hand back your subscription because that's unacceptable. I, I was really impressed with how GWS and look, they've got a vested interest. And I mean that not only to win, but you know, there's some Essendon people in that coach's box with a lot of pride. Mm. McVeigh, Hurd and Solomon. Mm. And um they 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 controlled what they did tactically. They put Perryman to merit, tick. They made sure that they played defensive half forwards on Hind and Redmond, particularly Redmond, who's been outstanding. Himmelberg, who is a terrific year and will win their best and for us, every time Stringer went forward, they made sure he he um, 
he uh, picked him up. Taylor had a great job with Wright, and they co- and they controlled the outside. Essendon's run and spread. We spoke about it in the last one. Essendon's run and spread is um, important. So who do you play on the wings? Kelly and Whitfield. It was a really well organised. I I don't know. You know, there's an old saying. I don't know what came back over the net from Essendon's end. The only thing they did was towards the end of the game, they put Merritt back to halfback. Mm, uh, It was a very, very disappointing preparation. Uh, Preparations match the result. An outstanding preparation by GWS, a very poor, oh, let's go up there and see how we go. They've been going really well, Essendon. I think they missed Corbell. Right, because they've found someone to run with a midfielder in Cordwell, mm. and that's changed the whole dynamics of their team from being what we've seen, Ronnie, for seven years. You know, we'll play our game, mm. uh, the old downhill skiers. If we're on, we're on. But having Cordwell go to the likes of Neil and Took Miller has really changed the dynamics of this team. I know we're going on a bit, but I'm actually pumping, trying to compare the two clubs' preparation mm. and why would GWSs be so much better than Essen? They're 16th, we're 14th, and I, that's why people today are very, very disappointed. Now, just on that, obviously the future of Ben Rudden is never never a, a topic that is far away from people's lips in the last couple of weeks, especially with Alistair Clarkson in the wings. Um, how do you sort of see that? Because that was a pretty, uh, I agree with that, was a pretty poor prep prep team. It was a pretty poor coaching performance. Uh, you know, GWS have been with bottom three heading into that game and really, for all intents and purposes, looked like a team that was just counting down the days. And to be shown up so dramatically, uh, especially, as you say, um, the Bombers look like they were generating some meaningful momentum. How do you sort of see um, where Rudden's at at the moment? He's had a very interesting year, a uh, couple of years, um, but with all this, always with this sort of characteristic. But don't forget, this is flown back to uh, the lack of accountability under Worstfold. It was mm. too free flowing. Uh, I think he might have found his his uh, his length off the tee in the second half. The buy was good for them. Apparently, they had some very very strong discussions led by the player group, led by other coaches about accountability, and, and and it's been a big change. This was a step backward. It's not the end of the world. Um, I think Essendon played Port Adelaide at Marvel. I would as- assume that is a – excuse me uh, – assume that is a winnable game, mm. absolutely a winnable game, and then they've got the, uh, the huge one against the Tigers. Mm. Um, I want to talk about Rat, Rat Rutten, I'm sorry, uh, this time next year. Yeah, oh, fair enough. Yep, that's and the- um, this time next year, uh, let's have a look. Another year into these players, another 20 games into Jones and these sort of blokes. So, um, But well done to GWS. They held, held Essendon to 38 inside 50s. Essendon want to get inside 50. They want to get opportunity. They didn't allow them. So... A, a, a more a credit to GWS than a knock on Essendon, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and Jesse Hogan as well was very, very good for the Giants, uh, four goals. Uh, next week, as you say, the Bombers have got the power. Um, interesting game, not much on the line for either side. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. I think that, that should be a game that the Dons look at and say we should really see ourselves for a win there. And the Giants, oh, they're, they're you know, uh, actors in a very important game. Uh, you know, the, the game doesn't really influence them that much, but they're up against the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium on the Saturday. So that's a massive game. We might talk about that a bit more uh, in, a, in in the next game because the next game we're covering is Bulldogs Freer. So. Can I just say one thing? I want to give a tick to Matt Guelfi. I'm mm. not sure of you. You know, he's been half back. He's been wing. He's been a bit of a tagger. He's He's been dropped a lot in and out of the side. Um, he's certainly gone past um, um, the person that held his spot last year and things change in a year. Um, he's gone past Will Snelling as a player. He adds more value. He's 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 more versatile, and he's kicking goals. So I think that's about fifteen or sixteen he's kicked this year. So it's good to see reward for effort. Um, and he's another one that is waiting for a contract. So I'm quite surprised with that. I think he's done enough to deserve a two-year extension, Ronnie. Yeah, definitely agree. He would be like the first name on the whiteboard if you ask me every week. So him and uh, I think Sam Durham was very impressive as well, but not, not too many other highlights for the Dons oh. on the weekend. Um, so next up, we travel to the Docklands where the Bulldogs took on the Dockers in what was a very, very important game for both teams. And at Marvel Stadium on Saturday, the twilight game was between the Western Bulldogs and Fremantle. And boy, this was a massive game heading into into it for probably more specifically the Bulldogs who are really trying to stay in the, the top eight picture and Freo obviously trying to keep their top four hopes alive. Um, but yeah, the Dockers didn't, you spoke about the Giants coming with the plan on Saturday against the Dons. Didn't the Dockers come with a plan against the Bulldogs? Justin Longmuir was a fantastic coaching performance. Um, you know, they just, they headed into that game with a, a desire to keep, just keep the ball off the Bulldogs because the Bulldogs are a very high-possession team. The uncontested mark count at, in the first half at one stage was, at, was through the roof. I think Fremantle were leading at 63-27. to 27. They just did not let the Dogs have the ball. And as a result of that, they were able to really exploit how bad the Bulldogs are defensively. And Rory Lobb was absolutely sensational with four goals, four long-range bombs, and the Dockers just had their measure all day. Rob? They haven't got the capabilities to defend, mate. And uh, once again, we highlighted a game plan uh, that was put in place by GWS. Uh, not only uncontested marks, but total marks were 140 marks. This was a significant plan. Slow down the tempo of the Western Bulldogs who want to score from clearances. But what happens is, um, as we've seen, they have awful trouble defending transition. No wonder they're after Liam Jones because they conceded 18 marks inside 50. You mentioned Rory Lobb, and this is with Tabiner going off, um, being injured, even though he's been out of form. Four goals to Rory Lobb. Their work had 61 more contested possessions and 44 more uncontested marks, as you highlighted. Um, it, and that's why... I haven't got the confidence in the Western Bulldogs because this is a mirror image of their performances. This is why they've been out of the eight for the majority of the year and why don't, I don't see them, despite the fact 
that they have got the draw that could see them fall in to the eight. It's not a sustainable brand of football. Too easy scored about. Mate, 18 marks inside 50. That's on world record pace. How can they? How can it fall away so quickly? I mean, they've got they've got form in this department. Obviously, they missed the finals two years in a row after they won the premiership, and they're going to very likely they're going to miss the finals again after making another grand final. What is it about the, the dogs that they just they, they can fall away so quickly with such a talent? They, they, they apply zero pressure. They can't. They they've got to score because of um, like Liberatore, Dunkley, Liberatore, Bond, and Pelly had twenty one clearances. They, they couldn't maximise their forward entries. They couldn't do it. Um, you've got to think that the likes of uh, Ryan, uh, Jordan Clark, Heath Chapman, Alex Pierce. this is we spoke about Collingwood's back line. This is a very good and well-organised back, back, um, back six for Fremantle. And, and, they, and the dogs just keep getting burnt on transition into a back line that is generally undersized and has had significant amount of marks taken against them inside 50. It is not a brand. They might get through on ability. They might have a great day. Um, there's still Josh Bruce coming back from injury. He's still a work in progress. Norton got a few goals. Jamara Hugel-Hagen has uh, improved. But, mate, it, it's one common denominator. They cannot defend rebound. And I'm glad you mentioned Frio's defence because I actually think they're one of the best back lines in the comp. And you mentioned Luke Ryan and Jordan Clark. They were Fremantle's top two possession getters on the oh. ground on Saturday. So Luke Ryan had 32 disposals, 15 marks. I mean, that's just incredible stuff. Jordan Clark, 26 disposals, 10 marks. But and it's then going they, in there. That means yeah. it's going in there. So the, as we said, the dogs did all right on clearances, but goes in and if you're organised against the, the dogs and your back line is able to intercept or rebound, uh, there is no possibility that dogs can defend fast-break football teams. And it goes into Rory Lobb, it goes into the big blokes down there, and that's why you get 18 marks inside 50. And, that, and I think Clark's been one of the pickups of the season. There was one incident, I think, in the third quarter. The game was still up for grabs. He put his body on the line. This was like in the goal square. It was two on one. He just threw his body at the contest, won the contest against two Bulldogs and saved a goal. And that just typifies what he brings to the table this year. He's been a fantastic pickup. And, yeah, the Dockers, they're still in, they're still in the, um, the race for the top four. They're only two spots, only two points out. Uh, it's unlikely, because, but you just never know. They, they could still um, pinch it. And just quickly, before we look at their Keep round two. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, round 22 matches. Uh, Sam Darcy on debut, he looked very impressive. He looks like he's, the, the Bulldogs have got one there. Well, what's he going to be? Is he going to be a... Uh... Well, he's six foot nine, isn't he, in the old scale? So <laughs> he can ruck, he can play back, and he can play forward. So uh, we, well, we hope he stays in the team for a start. He's certainly short on form. Yeah. Uh, do they put him forward in? Pro Josh Bruce kicked his first goal, I think, mm. uh, since coming back. I haven't got that in front of me, but no, he, he took a, a really good. Yeah, so he struggled with confidence, agility coming back from that knee. So whether he's under pressure and put Darcy deep behind Norton and have that structure. Um, but the last thing I want to say, Fremantle away from home, six wins and a draw. Outstanding. So they're in sixth spot. 
and they've got the Eagles and the Giants. So mm. if anyone anyone uh, mucks up inside the top four, top five, uh, they're going to make they're going to sneak into fourth spot. Yeah, they're a chance. They're definitely a chance. So yeah, as you said, Freo they've got the derby next week. That should be uh, pretty light work for them. And yep. the Bulldogs, uh, they've had a few do or die games this year already. It doesn't get much more do or die than this. They lose this, they are gone. So uh, yeah, they um, they, Who they got one. Who have they got? Sorry, got GWS at Marvel. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, need to win. they need to win that one. They need to win that one. Well, that, right. keeps, them in the, that keeps them in the loop, doesn't it? I think they will win um, despite uh, GWS's great form mm. um, and great preparation. It'll be interesting to see what GWS can bring to the table down in Melbourne against the Dogs. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So uh, next up, we head down the highway to the Cattery where Geelong took on St Kilda. And down at Cadinia Park on Saturday night, it was Geelong against the Saints. The Saints headed into this game in eighth spot with destiny in their own hands. But the Cats wrenched that destiny from their hands brutally and with a, another masterful performance. And the Saints are now outside the top eight after losing by 45 points. And really, the scoreboard flowered the Saints in the end because uh, Geelong held them goals in the second half for about... 45 minutes. It was mm. the Cats had nine goals in a row at one stage, and it was just Harlem Globetrotter stuff, even without Patrick Dangerfield and Joel Selwood in the team. And I believe that was the first time that's happened since Dangerfield crossed over to the Cats, Robert. You're absolutely right. I read that somewhere. So, um, yeah, 45 points is, um, I just think that's, uh, and nothing against the Saints because uh, that's where you are. Uh, you go down there. I thought they got beaten in regulation, 45 points. They did kick the last three. Um, let's just go through this Geelong team and why they um, right now, obviously the favourites. I think there's only one team with the game plan or the physicality to beat them for the premiership, and that is still Melbourne. I think Melbourne have still got the one of the best physical games uh, that could throw Geelong out. No Selwood, no Dangerfield. Uh, they managed the highly effective Blixarfs, wing, ruck, back, or tag. So they've actually got no idea where he's playing each week. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I say that with a term of endearment. What a, you know, he would be six foot five. He's probably big as Simon Madden in our day. So to have a bloke, you can say, hey, mate, someone's giving us trouble there or can you go into the centre and um, tag Paddy Cripps? Can you go forward or go on the first ruck? Uh, they left Rowan out with concussion. Um, but what it did do, it created issues, and these are good issues. Holmes, terrific player, close. Stengel's had a marvellous year. And Parfitt's been the medical sub or just out of this team. Uh, he's too good to be just out of their team. So um, all hands on deck for Geelong. They've got amazing depth and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they select their side going into the finals. They've got the rest into Dangerfield. Uh, Dangerfield, to me, would have played if it was a final. They're not, they're not risking their over 30s in any way, shape or form, Ronnie. Not a, not a hope in hell. Yep, Chris Scott's been on the record uh, many times this season saying that. He said that um, even – I remember doing a press conference earlier this year. It must have been – might have been after the Bulldogs game when Cameron kicked seven. So this is a long time ago. 
even back then he says he was saying, no, we're, not, we're just not going to do it. If, if if one of our veterans even looks like they're struggling, we aren't going to play him. And he's been proven that strategy's been validated. Look at them. They're on top of the ladder again. And the one thing about the Cats, which I really find um, – uh, uh, envious, uh, an envious trait for other teams in the comp. You look at the stats sheet, such an even spread. Their, their top ball getter was Sam Mendegola and Brandon Parker with 25 touches each. And that's that's very unique. You know, usually a top ball getter for a team is, is a minimum 30, isn't it? But this 25 is the top ball getter. Then you got, as you, you mentioned, Holmes, 24. Duncan, who I just, he just gets better and better, 23. Tui, 22. The Guthrie's 22. It's such an even spread. Isaac Smith, 21 touches and three goals. And then down the other end, you've got DeConey, who did just a sensational job on Max King. They really, they really are very, very few weak links in this team. And I, I agree with you. I think they're going to be very hard to beat this year. Yeah. And unfortunately, or oh, how do I say this respectfully? Um, if it's related to the calf, then the Hanbury experiment hasn't worked mm. from day one. Very sad. Um, yeah, it is in a way, but uh, a huge five-year contract, big money, uh, was one of first uh, Simon Lethleen's first roles or first uh, signings when he went from the AFL to St Kilda. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been very unlucky and looks like he's he's gone again. Um, what I like, I like the Stanley Marshall matchup. That was good. I think Marshall dominated the hitouts. Stanley very good around the ground. I, I think the Saints. The criticism of the Saints has been the top up to win. Um, uh, getting, you know, the Hills and these sort of players coming in. Mm. But they found a couple of young kids, and this could be the way forward for them. Mitch Owens should never be out of that side. His job on Tom Stewart was excellent, and they actually left him out there. I think they, they left him out when Hanbury came back. Um, that's not the way to go about it. Mm. And I'm not sure if they've fluked um, Marcus Windhager as a midfield bull, a midfield tagger. But these two young kids that should, as you said, should be the first magnets on the board. Mm. Uh, King is getting beaten too easily. Mm. Uh, DeConny now, with that performance, goes ahead of uh, Jay Newcomb mm. into second spot behind Dacos for the Nor- Norwich Rising Star. <laughs> it used to be the Norwich Rising Star I when remember. I coached folks. How long ago was that? What you, who is it now? Ah, oh, is this, does it have a sponsor? I don't know if it does. Yeah, it's a, the bank. Nab? Um, Would it be Nab? Nab. Yeah. Of course Nab. it's Nab. Yeah. When was the Norwich Rising Star? 1995. Won by Chris Scott and Nathan <laughs> Buckley. That's how well I'm going. But well done to Wing Hager and Mitch Owens, and I hope St Kilda start to promote and bring in a few. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. Um, it's not looking good, is it? When you look, you look at their next week, they've got, they got Brisbane. Down here, although you can't completely rely on Brisbane winning, they're a bit flaky. So that's yeah. a marvel. I wouldn't say that's completely out of the realm. No, because they actually they actually start the game quite well against the Cats. They're just up against a super team. That's the, you know what I mean. So, um, and, and and then they had nine the next nine kicked against them. Correct. And, and don't forget Geelong are flexing their muscles without probably four certain starters in that team, mm. um, and they're not frightened Geelong. They're not frightened. To um, they're not trying to protect top spot. They're trying to protect their list, mm. right? Hence Blitzarfs. Yep. You know, yep. they got they got uh, Melbourne. They've got Collingwood behind them. So to do that is uh, a great show of confidence in their list. 
Um, the Saints, the Saints will need a miracle though. They've got so they got Brisbane and then Sydney. So I mean, to win, they'll have to win both of them. Uh, you just, to, to make a certainty of it, you just can't see yeah. it happening. They're not ninth, now, happen. as, as I mentioned earlier. You know that the, the, their destiny was wrenched from their hands by the Cats, so they're now ninth. And the Cats, they've got Gold Coast next week up at the Gold Coast, so you'd think they should win that as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do with Sel- well. Well, they're not going to leave Selwood and Dangerfield out for two weeks in a row. They've yeah. rested Blixarves. Uh, Rowan, I think they'll want to put games into Parfit. He's important to them, even though he's technically can't get a start in their top 18 and has been the medical sub. Stengel will stay in. Holmes is a good player. Close, yeah. Rowan, close. Those sort of... uh, those sort of decisions will be made. Very interesting to see Geelong's team travelling this week. Mm. Well, and, and they've pretty much guaranteed a top two spot, so they're in a, a luxurious position, I guess. So we now travel to Adelaide for the other Saturday night match, which was between Port Adelaide and the Tigers. So in the city of churches, uh, the power didn't have much to play for, but the Tigers certainly did, and boy, did they flex their muscles? We mentioned the Cats earlier. The Tigers also flexed a bit of muscle in this one. It was quite an even game for about a half and a bit, but then the Tigers just blew the power away in the third quarter, got the job done, and they are now in the eight. And like the Saints were last week, they're the ones who have their destiny in their hands, and I think they're going to be very hard to kick out of the eight now, Rob. Well, they are. I think they were super impressive. I think, uh, look, yeah, Port out of it, but Port have made it very clear. I think the name Port Adelaide conjures up image of a proud football club. I know it's not the Port Adelaide Magpies of Foss Williams but and um, uh, Jack Kyle, but this is a very proud club. And when I heard Chad Corn say, we will not give up, we will not concede, we will play every minute, um, I think Rowan and I last week spoke that this is a real concern for Richmond. And it went that way early. There was plenty to like about Port early, but, gee, that third quarter, seven goals for, um, is this the coming of, not coming of age of the Tigers, is this the Tigers flexing their muscles on the back of um, the brilliance of Shea Bolton? Uh, Lynch has come back from those hamstrings to kick four. The ever-present team play of Jack Rewalt. And this young Cumberland that's found a way to kick another two goals. So all of a sudden, without Dustin Martin and with some minor, well, they turned out to be major adjustments. Uh, the the consistent, I tell you, he's taken a big step, and that's the uh, Trent Cochin. Mm. Like with Martin out, he's assumed the role of, of the leader. He's been very very important for them and. Uh, uh, they, they have to. They don't have to win two. They don't have to win one, won't they? They'll uh, be, they, so they're two oh, points inside. So technically, they will no. have to. They'll have to win two. Uh, two technically, because yeah, they will, won't they? Yes, yeah, so um, because it depends. If St Kilda lose one, well, then they don't. Oh, uh, same deal with the dogs. Well, if they win one, the dogs are out. So, yeah. And and look, when I said Koch uh, and I forgot Prestia, he's critical. And you look at. Prestia's history with injury, and you look at Lynch, they've both settled them down, touch wood, and how important are they? Um, he had 10 clearances, Prestia, so he's not a pup anymore. So him and Cochin have really taken up the slack, 
and uh, the forward line's done the rest. Don't forget, this was out. Um, look, I know Tarrant's been good for him, but I reckon the third tall in Grimes, uh, his loss could still come back to bite them. It didn't this week. Um, Lynch and Finlayson, they got a couple each, but their forward line was very, very disappointing and they actually didn't need Grimes' presence in this game. They won it in the midfield. They took on Boak. They took on Wines. They took on Rosie. And, of course, Nankervis was huge. 30-possession game for the big Tasmanian Ruckman, eight clearances and 44 hitouts. If that's not three votes on Brownlow night, oh, no, it won't be. Shea Bolton will Shea be. Bolton's pretty good, yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned Richmond's back line and it's copped another blow because of Lost Stone. That looked like a pretty nasty blow he copped uh, from uh, uh, Charlie Dixon. Got the knee to the ribs. He was subbed out immediately. So you probably wonder whether where if he'll be able to play this week or even the next two weeks because if it's a, those rib injuries can be pretty tricky, Rob. Yeah, I um, he'll be rested, I think. Mm. Oh, well, gee, yeah, you know, it's two points. They do control their own destiny. Yeah. Um, they now have Tarrant at fullback and uh, one of the most versatile players. Although his form's dropped off, he was exciting, uh, Noah Bolter, early on in the year. But I think he's been asked to play a number of roles. He's had to go on the ruck. He's had to go forward and he had to go back. It's obviously now he's got a, a critical role to play going to the finals in the back six. Uh, Vostone, yep, he'll have to miss. And if it's broken, cracked, misplaced ribs, uh, that could be a significant injury. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, and as you mentioned, Shai Bolton in this 38-point win, is he the best player in the combat at full flight, Rob? How do you see it? I mean, there's a bit of conjecture about who might have that um, uh, mantle, but to me... Well, driving back from... Um, driving back today from some time down the beach, um, listening to... Um, oh, I can say it. I was listening to Tim Lane. Always listen to Tim Lane, yep. fellow Tasmanian, Paul Famer. Um <laughs> He was talking to Robbo, um, the most entertaining player to watch. I'm going to go with Mark Robinson and say he's not the best player in the competition, but he is the most watchable player. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me, Rob. So don't ask me who is the best Who is the best player in the comp. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Cameron's up there, wouldn't he? Andrew what? Brayshaw might be up there. Well, he's been going. Cameron's a good one. Cameron's, yeah. Jeremy Cameron's a good call. Yeah. Um, Oh, we won't talk about that. We might talk about that on Tuesday. But yeah. he is he is he's electric yeah. and exciting. There's no doubt about that. And yes, I agree with them. The most watchable player in four goals, five. Gee, lucky he didn't have his kicking boots on. They tend to say that a lot about him recently. He just can't quite get that accuracy going. But if he gets that going, he'll be unstoppable. So next week, as we mentioned, the, the Tigers they have the Hawks at the MCG should be a win. And the power, as we mentioned, have the bombers at Marvel. Um, just pride on the line there. So, so that is uh, how it looks like for both teams next week. Uh, the next match we are going to cover was at Marvel Stadium. Uh, on the it was the early Sunday game between North Melbourne and Sydney. And the first Sunday game of the round was between, well, it was a David versus Goliath contest, wasn't it? North Melbourne, the bottom of the ladder, North Melbourne, against the top four Sydney Swans. And I've got to say, for most of the game, it, the Kangaroos put up quite a bit of a fight. But in the end, 
They lost by 38 points. Uh, the Swans just way too good. The, the golf in class and skill was cavernous. Um, and, you know, the scoreboard probably did flatter the Kangaroos in the end because at one stage the Swans got out to a 59-point lead in the last quarter. The Kangaroos hit the last three goals. A bit like the Saints against the Cats, just to make the scoreboard look a little bit more respectable. But this was um, this was Sydney's day. They never really looked threatened. Although, as I mentioned, the Kangaroos for the first half, uh, first half and a bit, they were they were quite competitive. A lot of that was down to the fact that the Swans were quite inaccurate. I think at one stage it was five nine to five one, but the Kangaroos, uh, to their credit, were quite accurate. And especially Nick Nark, Nick Larkey, who kicked an equal career high seven goals. He was. Um, a lone hand for North Melbourne. He he looks like he's a serious player of the future. Um, but yeah, it, it I was, was going to ask you about that. Sorry to interrupt you, but what type of player is he? He's kicked a couple of sevens, but he's also disappeared off the map quite a few times. Um, he played on one of the better partnerships in the McCartan boys. So yep. he had them. He had Rampy down there too. Um, Two-part question. How good is Larky? And B, with the likes of Lynch and Danaher at Brisbane, um, do you see this, the Tom McCartan, Paddy McCartan uh, backline issue uh, being somewhat of a weakness for Sydney going into the finals against the standard of, mm. you know, if Carlton get in, Mackay mm. and Kernow, et cetera? Yeah, no, it's a very good observation. The first part of the question, I think Nick Larkin, there's no doubt he's got the potential to be one of the best forwards in the comp. I don't think it helps when you're at a team like North Melbourne where, A, the delivery isn't um, great and, B, the supply isn't plentiful. So, I mean, today I think, um, you know, it's a three-quarter time. I think the Kangaroos only had 30 inside 50s and he already had five, five or six goals to that point. So um, quite a few of them were free kicks, but that just speaks to how uncertain... Um, like he made Tom McCartan feel. Um, McCartan looked... I've, I've seen this happen a few times this year with Tom McCartan, and I'm glad you you brought up um, teams like Carlton because I'm pretty sure it was the Carlton game where Charlie Kerner got an absolute hold of Tom McCartan uh, at Marvel Stadium earlier in the year, and um, it doesn't happen often, but when it happens, you remember them because he's a very good player, McCartan, and you're right. Uh, the, the Blues, he had a really bad game against the Blues. He had a really another bad game today against far inferior opposition. Um, So it could be, listen, it could, there's no doubt opposition teams will see that and they'll be able to think to themselves, you know, if we can get it in quick enough, good enough, we could really um, exploit, uh, you know, a weakness in the, in the, in Tom McCartan for sure. Well, you're right. And mate, we've just had a subtle change in roles here. I've just taken over the host because, um, (laughs) Um, Ronnie was at, folks, Ronnie was actually at this game live. <laughs> so I've got a few questions for him. So I'm going to host the next 90 seconds. For Ronnie, you looked at Sydney today and you look at the emergence of Chad Warner and these sort of players. Um, there was a significant event, not at this game, at another game, where Josh Kennedy has, um, looks like he's done a career ending inverted commas, hamstring again, and basically got carried off. Uh, Looking at that Sydney side, are they going to miss him in the finals or have they respectfully gone past him? 
I would have to say I agree with uh, option B there, Rob. I think they have gone past him. And, it, you know, it might sound a bit cruel to say, but I think this has actually, in a roundabout way, has solved a headache for John Longmire. I do think I do think that um, that midfield has gone past uh, Josh Candy, unfortunately. Um, you know, great. So medical sub, a little bit of halfback flank, a little yeah. bit of run. No. You, they've they've got well. They could. Yeah, many sub is a possibility for sure. Um, he has played that role this year. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, if this if this hamstring serious, they don't know how serious it is. I think a bad sign um, is that it's it was his other hamstring. So it wasn't the same hamstring he injured earlier this year. It was the opposite leg. Now I think that yeah. might even be a worse sign. Um, in yeah. the fact that, you know, it could just be his body's just packing it in, and at the wrong time of the year. So you know, they got you know Luke Parker. Callum Mills, Row Bottom plays his role. You know, Isaac Ernie, Hing, you know, Warner. Yeah, yeah. Haywood's going through there. Papley's going through there. Florence. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be hard uh, for Josh to find a role in there. And this might this might make the decision easy for everyone, I guess. I mean, if this is another four or five-week injury, um, yeah, I can't see him working his way back. But uh, that would be sad. That would be sad. Um uh, yeah, uh, we'll talk about the other Josh Candy later, but it was a it was a it was a contrasting <laughs> it was a contrasting day for two Josh Candies today. That's for sure. All right, back to the host, folks. <laughs> uh, you did agree. I might have to give you the reins for the rest of the, the show. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, but just the in, in summation. Um, uh, North Melbourne's uh, this is pretty much the same story most of the year for them. Uh, just really bad skill errors, really bad turnovers, especially in their back half. And a team like Sydney, they're just going to make you pay. Uh, you know, they're not going to—they're not going to um, need a second invitation when you're making mistakes um, down back. Um, you know, North's biggest, one of the biggest strengths in the last month or so has been their clearance work. And they absolutely tailed our best in, in particular last week in that department. And the Swans took that away from them, won that category comfortably uh, by eight. They had about ten more inside fifties, and you know, from about. From about 60 inside 50s, Sydney scored 36 times. So, uh, you know, it was a pretty a pretty comprehensive performance in the end. And, um, you know, I thought Nick Larkin was the best player on the ground, but that's because Sydney just had so many even contributors. Oh, Papley was really good when the game was up for grabs with his three goals. You know, Tom Hickey was fantastic in the ruck uh, against Goldstein, although Goldstein wasn't too bad either, but I thought Hickey was the dominant ruckman. Uh, and, yeah, so, you know, Chad Warner, these kind of guys. Obviously, Buddy kicked another four goals. I mean, what does, where does that leave? You know, a day after announcing that he's going to put his contract talks off to the end of the year, he's kicked four goals, looked pretty good still, and kicked another one on his right foot, Rob, would you believe? I and mean, it's two in two weeks. I don't know what's going on. He's just trying to prove that the old, the old dog can learn new tricks. So, um, yeah, so they're, they're just humming along beautifully. And that, that brings us to it. Their next game, and gee whiz, is, is this a blockbuster and a half? Sydney Collingwood at the SCG next Sunday. How about that, Rob? Well, we're going to see. Uh, wonder what the ground holds now. Um, in the old rugby league days of uh, Parramatta versus South Sydney, they'd cram fifty-five thousand into that <laughs> game. I'm not sure what the seating arrangement is, but there is. Uh, it's only a nine-hour drive up. Collingwood <laughs> people. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to fly, but um, there'll be plenty of buses heading up the Hume Highway because Collingwood people travel, mm. and why wouldn't they? Why oh. wouldn't you go up there to watch Lance Franklin, Warner, Dugowie? Uh What a ripper game on a small, confined ground. Um, 
match. I haven't even looked, to be honest, but uh, the match of the round by a mile. Yes. Absolutely a mile. Comfortably. Intense. Is it afternoon game? Did you say yeah, Sunday afternoon? 3.20. 3.20 Sunday. Damn. Oh, well, that's good. That's on free for free for the air for the free people. But yeah. what an atmosphere it would have been under lights, you know, yeah. as, uh, uh, with the fog drifting down and uh, amazing but, game. So – they might have to move it to the ANZ Stadium uh, well, in the old days. No, the worst worst ground I've ever <laughs> been associated with a football ground. It's a rugby ground. Um, they used, yeah, to, they used no. to have that one. Remember every year they had that one-off game between Sydney and Collingwood. Always got 70,000 out at Stadium Australia. So, yeah. But um, no, I think I agree. This is by far the, the, the game of the, the round. It's going to be it – could, it could end up being the game of the season. Who knows? Because this, this just looks so good on paper. So many good players – all over the park, both teams. And North Melbourne next week, they have the Crows over in Adelaide. It will be interesting to see if Ben Cunnington um, comes back for that one because he got through his VFL game uh, unscathed today, 18 touches. Um, the only query is, Lee Adams said post-game, the only query is six-day break, interstate trip, um, whether they risk taking him over uh, or they hold him back for one game and playing for their last game, the home game against the Gold Coast Suns in round 23. So that's something they'll have to weigh up. I'd like to see him play the last couple yeah, of days. Yeah, so it's not Joel Selwood. They're not on top of the ladder. <laughs> I'd get him out there and play him for a half. Yes. Like, you're probably not going to win the game. Make yeah. him the medal. So get him involved in the group again. Yeah. This is not about, oh, a six-day break, travel on a plane. Get Ben Cunnington back in the group. Sit him on the bench. Play with 20, what is it, 20, play with 21. Give him ha- the second half. Mate, this is really, really manageable and this is uh, sports science going. Uh, what that bloke means to that team, means to that club, just to give him 40 minutes of footy, help out a team, help out a young player, go down to full forward. We've seen him kick goals out of full forward. Mate, it's a no-brainer for me. I'd be staggered if they didn't play him. I tend to agree with you, Rob. Next up on the agenda, it's the Brisbane Lions and Carlton at the Gabba. And the afternoon game today uh, on the Sunday uh, was at the Gabba and 31,000 fans, geez, they come out, they like a winner, don't they, Queenslanders? They like a winner. 31,000 fans came out to watch Brisbane really um, make a bit of a mess of Carlton, has to be said, Rob, uh, winning by 33 points. Uh, how did you see it? Was, uh, it was pretty much over from early on, wasn't it? Well, it was an extraordinary game. A couple of uh, interesting selections for Carlton. It was obviously they missed George Hewitt, but they tried to go more mobile. They've had a look at the Pitney, DeConning, Curnow and Mackay in their side. That looked slow. They managed Pitney. I think that might have been a way of saying, mate, you look a bit sore. We want to go back. And they went back to DeConning and Silvani with a little bit of support from Young. McInerney's a good ruckman. He's mm-hmm. a really good ruckman and uh, uh, he gave them first use. They've got look, they've got a number of issues, Carlton, uh, but they've they've got a balance issue with their big blokes. I think they love De Koning. They rate and uh, respect Pitney's physical strength at centre bounces and they're keen to play Silvani. Mm. I'm not sure they get them all in, mm. you know. Uh, and Young, who's who's done a pretty good job for them back line, he was used in the ruck. But, um, look, at one stage, 
Brisbane had kicked five goals four from turnovers. Carlton's it wasn't so much their pressure. Carlton's Carlton's uh, turnovers, their kicking, their decision making was poor. Uh, and Brisbane, with their pace and their clean ball use, just rebounded off them beautifully. And one stage the score was thirty-seven to two. Um, Carlton got back this got this back to uh, I think twenty-one with seven minutes to go, and it was good because they resurrected. This could have been a real percentage problem. You know, they could have lost two or three percentage points. Yep. They got it back to fifteen points. They kicked eight out of the last nine courtesy of their centre clearance work and some absolute desperation which was required. And then you just saw the frowns appeared and this is going to, we're not going to have the answer to this till the finals. Then we just saw a little bit of nervousness from Chris Fagan, a little bit of looking around and you can tell, you look at body language, um, there was three or four minutes to go and it was 15 points. Uh, they got a goal. Um, who Matheson had a really strong crumb for them, and I thought there was a really poor couple of Carlton physical efforts in the goal square. Got the ball to Hibbert, uh, Hipwood, sorry, and just gave them their breathing space. Um, at one stage, it was eight goals to three with two thirty to go, so it was really game on. McStay out Mark Young, who had been in the goal, kicked his fourth goal, and Brisbane went home happy. Look, I'm I'm not usually big, Ronnie, on these comebacks when you've been decimated in the first half. Come to play when it counts. They looked slow. They weren't up with Brisbane's ball movement. Uh, the the pace. Brisbane had Rich back setting up after back. McCluggage, Zorko, Quick. Ball movement, Carlton didn't look quick. The captain might have to face um, the judiciary because of uh, a head high or a high uh, attempted spoil, bump, whatever you call it. Mm. Um, But this was a genuine comeback. And the reason it was a genuine comeback, because it made Brisbane look very, very nervous. I'm, I'm sort of really interested in Brisbane in the finals. I want to see. They've gone out in straight sets the last two years. I want to see them handle pressure in the finals. No doubt they would have had uh, what happened seven days prior in their heads at that, at that stage <laughs> against uh, against Carlton. Uh, you know, the, the Richmond game would have been going through their heads. It just happened a week ago. It was early. the same margin. Yeah. And they looked and, and exactly the same. They looked a quality side they look classes above Richmond and Carlton. Mm. Lost to lost to to Richmond, and uh, the Blues got to fifteen points out of seemingly being outclassed. Um, mm. I know there's momentum swings, and clubs are going to have good teams. I still rate Carlton a good team, but uh, there's going to be momentum swings throughout all games, particularly against good sides playing each other, um, each club's going to have a bit of a chip at each other. Uh, Carlton's came late in the game, and I generally look at that and say, well, why don't you do it early? Mm. You know, there was no pressure, no physicality, but in the end of the game there was desperation. Could they have pinched it? No, they would have run out of time, but they may have got it to a goal or so. 
Mm-hmm. And you look at you, you mentioned the, the Blues look like they may maybe running out of puff possibly um, towards the end of the season. You look at the, I mean, it looks like they're going to be finished seventh or eighth. And you look at teams that are fourth, fifth, and sixth are all interstate teams: Sydney, Brisbane, Freo. I mean, how far can the Blues really go? Do you reckon? Yeah, well, it looks like everyone was. <clears throat> pardon me, folks. Um, it looked like everyone had their fingers crossed for first week of the finals, Carlton versus Collingwood, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. You're going to get that in uh, a couple of weeks, folks. I don't think you'll get it in the finals. Um, look, the romantic in me would like to see Carlton, Richmond and Collingwood in it. Particularly there's going to be uh, a pretty significant, um, well, Sydney will be in it, Brisbane, that's two. Um Three oh three. Um, who else interstate? Yep. Just the and, three. Yeah, there's those three. Yeah, those three. So it's a five three uh, spread. So yeah, the Blues would travel in the first week of the finals. I hope they find a win, but uh, they may not if their first half form continues. And, and you mentioned percentage. It, it is important because the the one team that could knock Carlton out of the finals is the Bulldogs and. They're two games behind Carlton, but it's only 1.7% separating them in terms of percentage. So it could be very crucial in that last game against Collingwood. Uh, next week, the Blue Baggers, oh, they've got a huge game. They don't get much, um, they don't get uh, any easier. Melbourne at the MCG on the rebound on the Saturday night. And the Lions. Yeah, and have- travelling back, oh, this worries me. Like young Walsh, um, being, being sensational, um, took a long, long, long time to get going. Looked tired, um, had a really big year. Cripps has had a big year. Uh, did I say, I think Kennedy was out. Um, yeah, broken jaw, George, wasn't it? Yeah, George Hewitt was out. Yep. Um, they're still trying to work out um, Setterfield, uh, these sort of depth players. Mm. Um, <clears throat> like, is that they've had great years, Doherty and. Um, there's two ways to handle Sard and Doherty, either defensively, uh, put defensive players on. They both had great years. but um, And quite rightly, they had their work cut out today. You run into Cameron, you run into Bailey, you run into McCarthy, you run into Zorko. Yeah. And with the ball coming in, they were under enormous pressure. They tried their backsides off, but with the pressure coming in, they were on the back foot and weren't able to give... Carlton, any of that necessary rebound. So they were swamped by territory and they were swamped by numbers. And then they were playing on, gee, serious players. Before we get to the next game, uh, just a quick one. Harry Mackay, Rob, he just seems to be really struggling, doesn't he? Yeah, Kerno's carrying him. There's no doubt about that. Um, I watched him. He led well. He did mark the ball well. Again, um, like Kerno's the up the ground a little bit more mobile. Harry coming out of the gold square. He was the um, Coleman medalist last year from memory. Uh, He hasn't reached that form. He hasn't had a bad year. But I think, and I haven't got the numbers in front of me, I think he had a good first half. But as you just pointed out, his second half has been disappointing and put enormous amount of pressure on Charlie Kerner. They are a great one-two punch and a finals one-two punch. But uh, um, as we've said, it's not also about them. They have totally lost their organisation and one of their great strengths was Owies, um, Durden, Mm. Martin, Fisher. 
They were outstanding at ground level early in the year. They have, with, with respect, I just can't think of another word, they've technically disappeared in the second half of the year. They're not kicking goals and they're not giving forward pressure and they're not giving bite and support to the big fellas. And, yes, yeah, so, uh, the, the Lions have got St Kilda next week on the Friday night at Marvel Stadium. So um, it's pretty much do or die for the Saints and the Lions, if they want to um, keep pressing for that top four spot, they're on the outside by percentage still. So they've got it all to play for as well. Uh, the final game for round 21 that we're going to review uh, took place in Perth and it was a very special game as West Coast faced Adelaide. And the final game of the weekend was out at Optus Stadium as Josh Kennedy bid farewell to the AFL world. What an incredible servant of the sport he has been. And unfortunately, West Coast couldn't get the job done for him, losing to Adelaide by 16 points. But, geez, Josh Kennedy, eight goals, Rob. Incredible performance. Well, there was. Um, you know, let's just talk about Adelaide first. Um, that's a good win. That is a good win. Yeah. What a motion packed at West Coast uh, to see off this great player. Um, they came out after halftime, kicked five goals, two to two goals, one. And what a season. He'll fly. He's the best at flying under a radar, mainly because, okay, we're not in Adelaide. We don't read, you know, the, the, the papers and the radio and 5AA and all that. But I tell you what, um, You've got to take your hat off to the year that Rory Laird's had. Mm. He has been amazing. He was a great halfback flanker, might have even been All-Australian. To go in the midfield and lead that side, um, you know, they, they lost Crouch, they've lost players, um, and they've lost players because of the camp, Betts and Cameron and mm. et cetera, et cetera. So for Rory Laird to stand up, he's been an outstanding player. They played really well in the second quarter. They kicked five goals, two to two goals, one. But let's talk about the romance in footy. And um, I tell you what, um, he's broken a record today. Um, no player in the history of the game would have retired with eight goals in their last game, Ronnie. Um, we won't, we've never seen it before and Rob, we'll never, ever see that again. Rob, um Beg your pardon. I hate, to, I hate to burst your bubble, but you're you're off what? by just you're off by just ten goals. You're off by ten goals because the great Fred Fanning, the great Fred Fanning kicked eighteen goals in his final game <laughs> the, in nineteen forty seven. I've Melbourne. been ambushed, folks. I've been ambushed. <laughs> what a load! He kicked eighteen in his last game. A lazy one eight, which is not only a record for a, a retiree; it's a record in. in all time. No one's ever kicked more than 18 goals in a game. And he, Fred Fang's done it in his last ever game. So, what did Hutto? Uh, Hutto, didn't he kick eight in the helicopter game and then went back to Tasmania? He might so, have. Or did he come back again? He had about three, Hutto. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did Coleman had at halftime when he did his knee? No, Hutto had nine when he did his knee first time at Glen Ferry against Melbourne. Yeah. I think he had nine at halftime. Wow. I tell you what. I know we laughed at it at the start of the show, but hang your head in shame, Elliot Himmelberg. You've kicked the sealer, the steadier. Uh, with seven minutes to go, 7.20, the, the fairy tale had been written. Uh, they were pencilling it in. The, the West Australian West Coast scribes, uh, 6PR, they, were, they stood to attention with 7.20 to go, seven points the difference, and he'd kicked eight. This 
champion of a player who kicked eight. So we were just waiting and along came Elliot Himmelberg and Darcy Fogarty. Mate, it was the most, I reckon, I know it was the end of the day and people have had their fill of footy. Mate, this was 15th versus 17th and I re- I'd love to see the ratings of the independents glued <laughs> to their sets trying to get this bloke over the line. He deserved it. But I tell you what, if we're analysing footy, that's a that's a bloody good win to Adelaide. Yes. And uh, it's taken them up level with Essendon, a mm. couple of percentage points behind. They're 15th and Essendon are 14th. So it was a really good game. Um, and, and, I'm, not, I'm not too yeah. sure if you're much of a basketball fan, but there was a lot of Kobe Bryant about this, about Josh Kenny. Kobe yeah, Bryant, tell me about – no, I'm not. Tell me about what Kobe Bryant did. So the late, great Kobe Bryant scored 60 points in his final game for the Lakers, the oh, LA Lakers. So what? eight goals. I think eight goals is, a, is similar to scoring 60 points in, in a uh, in an NBA game, in a basketball game. So very similar, very similar. Mate, Adelaide had the three-quarter time cushion. They had three-goal lead and then it became, you know, the Josh Kennedy show and uh, I'm fo- – I, I, <laughs> I'm following it on the app. I'm following it uh, on on the KO. I'm going from one to the other. Kennedy goal. And he actually missed. He kicked a point, which would have put them uh, a point down. Right. Well, actually, did they get to five points? I'm not sure. But it would have put – it actually would have put them a point down with about three or four minutes to go. So, mate, fairy tales are exactly that. They're fairy tales and, uh, <laughs> unfortunately um, – 15th, well, fortunately, 15th and 17th turned into a a, a, a terrific game based on the fact that uh, everyone was on the edge of the seat, opening for, for, for JK to have a magnificent send-off. But uh, <laughs> Rory Laird and Darcy Fogarty, four goals. Let's not forget that. He's had a terrific second half of the season and um, really got himself going. So I, I still say that is a really good win by Adelaide. And the Crows, I mean, Matthew Nix has come under a little bit of scrutiny uh, this year, but they're going to, they've matched their win tally from last year, so it's seven wins again. And they've got, a very, I mean, they've got North Melbourne next week, so they could get, get to eight wins and possibly in the showdown. You just never know, as we always know, with Adelaide and the power. They could. They could get to nine wins this year. And if they do that, I think that's a pretty good year for Matthew Nix. I think in our preview six months ago, when it, whenever it was, uh, the, the last millennium, it feels like it, yeah. uh, Rowan and I, we, we spoke about that exactly, Ronnie. We said, okay, what is it? Well, we said they've got to improve. So we actually targeted eight or nine wins mm. and a couple of spots up the ladder yeah. as a satisfactory uh, performance for Adelaide this year. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. And, and so the other the- blokes, well, they've got enormous problems. Yeah. They've got retirements. Yeah. Oh. They've got age. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got to look at... Their youth coming through. Who are their youth coming through? Where's the youth in their list? Yeah, it's a re- they're in a real bad way um, uh, with their list. Uh, I think they, they, they're in for a, a good few years before we even see anything in terms of a finals caliber team. And next week they've got um, the derby against Fremantle, and uh, no, they'll get beaten. They'll get badly beaten. Indeed, and they're going to end up. They're probably because they've got they've got Geelong down in Geelong in the last round. They're going to end up two oh. and twenty. Which is, I mean, that's that's an appalling season. That's appalling. Two and twenty. 
So that, that's a, you know the West Coast such a proud club over thirty six years. This will by far be their what, worst ever season. What a North got, mate! They're and two as be... well. They're two wins as well. So you know I think that they will just avoid the wooden spoon because North have got Adelaide next week in Adelaide and they finish up with Gold Coast at Marvel. I mean, it's not guaranteed, but you'd no. you, you think West no. Coast will finish seventeenth, but they could win the spoon. You just never know. And two and twenty, two and twenty. That's that's a shocking score. That's a shocking score. It is actually. You're right. Despite the COVID and the injuries they've had, two and twenty is um, it's, yeah. unexplainable. Really, no, it's really it doesn't matter. When you look at the when you look at the the, the names that are still on that list, and the, you know they've been playing quite a bit this year. It's just they're in a, they're they're up for a very long road ahead. And, and you look at the club and the pride yeah. and the the domination of of West Australian media and yes. the way they run the club and they're, they're the big ticket in town. Um, they've had their pants pulled down well and truly by Fremantle this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, there we go. That is the all-nine games all wrapped up just like that, Rob. And, uh, yeah, it's it really makes for some uh, very, very exciting games for next week and the, and the final fortnight, of course. So, And, and yeah. we've got the, the big one. Uh, we've got a... Can I set my alarm, my beeper <laughs> on my phone? What is that? Sydney versus Collingwood. 3.20 p.m. on Sunday, Rob. So just on make sure it's Sunday. in the phone. I'll go to the diary now. Look here. Here's the diary. Look I at it. I can see it. I can see it. That's see a big diary. See, that's a big diary. All right. I, I make my own, mate. Look, you make your own. <laughs> Perfect. You own. Oh, you've you done it. Own. You've done it well. So, You're Rob. Uh, I, I, hope, just, I hope I filled Roko's very big shoes satisfactorily uh, to your standards. Uh, but, uh, no, it's uh, always a pleasure to chat for you with you and uh, review another big round of football. So. Well, he'll be listening to this, mate, as he detoxes yes. in, in the in the in the salt bath. You know, he's going into one of those caves where yes. you breathe salt. I've heard that. And he might be yeah. just even chanting a few mantras as well. Exactly. You know? And that he'll be, be in a toga. You yes. know, like from Animal House. He'll be Absolutely. dressed like that. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, he's going to come back a new man, folks. So, look, look, he's had his moments this year, but I can tell you, folks, he'll come back a different man. There's yeah, no I, doubt about that. I, I think he's he's already changed his name to Namaste. So it's Namaste yeah, Connolly. So exactly. There you exactly. go. So that, that's, right. It's great to see that he's just um, getting centred with himself. Yeah, that's what All right, mate. Great to... Uh, <laughs> Great to catch up. Uh, yep. Thanks to Damo, our director. Uh, and absolutely. And we're and, and as always, we're here, as always, thanks to our official podcast partner, Palmerbet. When you get tack where you get tackle busting uh, benefits all this AFL season. And always remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. And also a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, you can use the supporter page. Thanks to ACAST with the link in the show description. Or you can become an official Footyology patron via the Patreon links at the Footyology website. As easy as that. Rob, I'll chat to you again during the week for the re- yeah, well, for the preview uh, show. We're backing up, aren't we? We are, because uh, Namaste's got a bit more chanting and praying and meditating to do. So, would he get, get, would, he get re- would he get reception in that cave? <laughs> That's he- a good question, Rob. It's on a very that good side of, Yeah, I know. Because okay. he hasn't been answering his phone, so maybe there is no reception. He's just uh, detoxing, as you said. It's a digital detox as well. So. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Damo. <laughs> no worries. We'll catch you next time.